and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Nicola Blackburn, your host and a reporter at New Model Advisor. And today I'm delighted to be chatting with Gillian Hepburn, who is head of UK Intermediary Solutions at Schroeder's. Um, Gillian, it's really great to have you here as someone who has really seen the bigger picture of the advice industry in the past year. Um, And before we kind of jump into discussing what we're here to talk about today, I was hoping you could briefly tell us a bit about the Schroeder's Financial Advisors Survey and and just what that is. Yeah, sure. Um, and thanks very much, Nicola, for having me today. It's always great to uh, to talk to you. And as you know, um, I love a, a statistic, um, and the advisor survey is is always great to to look at. You know what's happening out there. What are advisors telling us? And uh, we do this twice a year now. So we have our main survey in November, which gives us a snapshot at the end of the year. And we also use it a little bit to try and look into the following year. So things like what are advisors' concerns going into twenty twenty two. Um, and then we do what we call a pulse survey. So it's a much smaller snapshot, kind of a bit of a temperature check during the year as well to check where we are. So uh, so it's great because the, the main survey, obviously, some of the questions we ask year on year uh, to make sure that we see trends emerging. And then it also gives us a great opportunity to ask kind of one-off questions, particularly about areas that we think are are you know starting to come to the fore. So a uh, great opportunity to find out what are what our customers are thinking and talking about and worrying about. Yeah, f- fantastic. And so the most recent survey came out last month in December. Um, and just to to sort of start off, one of the most interesting stats, I think, seemed to be that almost 60% of advisors um, are not taking on clients who have less than 50K in assets. And this, um, you, you included some statistics about um, advisors from previous years who had who had responded about this, and it was quite an increase. Much many more advisors were not taking on clients with with these kind of lower lower amounts of assets. Um, Julian, what do you think is at play here? Is this merely a result of more firms sort of segmenting their client base, or do you think we can learn something here about the the costs that advisors are having to shoulder? Yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great question to start with actually because I think there's probably um, a combination of factors here at play, um, and and probably costs absolutely um, have something to do with this. Um, if if you look at it in relation also to the key challenges that advisors had, where they talked about um, regulation and, and PI cover, um, I guess one of the questions then is how does that impact them when they deal with clients of and I hate the word, but but lower value. So that kind of 50k plus um, the time and the documentation required for advising clients um, and you look at the opportunity that advisors still have um, to access significantly what we could call higher value clients then you kind of can start to understand why um, why their focus is there and I, and I think you can actually trace it right back almost to um, retail distribution review. You no know, advisors absolutely reacted to this, they professionalised the business, they reviewed their propositions but also they reviewed um, profitability and along came Pensions Freedom then which 
definitely gave them, you know, access to significantly higher value clients. So there's kind of a number of things at, at play here. But but I think as as you rightly pointed out, what's of key concern here is that the number of advisors who are, you know, rejecting these clients or, you know, not dealing with clients of less than fifty thousand pounds means just simply that the advice gap is is growing. Yeah. And the savings gap, you know, people are not accessing advice, um, which which is a challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it seems to be kind of a, a key issue with this this trend. Um, and and but I mean, thinking about it again from the advisor perspective, what what do you think? Are there any kind of issues for advisors um, related to the fact that they're not taking on? Um, clients who perhaps, you know, have, as you say, a lower value at the moment, but might be accumulating wealth or, you know, have perhaps they're younger and have many years ahead of them. Um, is there is that is that an issue for advisors, do you think? Absolutely. And I think potentially, you know, they are missing out on clients that are, you know, starting to accumulate wealth. And, and potentially this is all tied in with, you know, my favourite topic of uh, the Great Wealth Transfer, which I think actually should be renamed the Great Wealth Retention. You know, retaining family wealth is really or should be important to advisor businesses and, and therefore having conversations with that next generation who really, as you point out, are actually accumulating wealth. Um, I think, you know, should be important. And you know, we, we now have to look at that next generation and the millennials, if we could call them that, you know, they're now reaching the age of 40. And as a result, you know, according to our research, many of them are absolutely focusing on saving for pensions, um, saving for their, you know, family and, um, and getting into the accumulation space. So you're, you're right in that initially that might be a lower amount in terms of um, savings, but you know, I think failing to try and engage is, is probably um, maybe a little short-sighted in terms of the future-proofing of advisor businesses. And, and particularly, as you also highlighted, you know, these younger business owners who do need advice, they need help, they need to think about how they um, finance businesses. I think there's some great opportunities to give advice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And what about um, going ahead into this year, Gillian, and I suppose the next few years to come, do you think we'll we'll see advisors continue with this kind of client segmentation or, you know, um, you know, turning away um, clients that are sort of below a certain um, threshold in their savings? Yeah, this is, this was a great one for me, actually, because when I when I get the survey results every year, I mean, clearly, you're looking for um, trends that kind of reaffirm what you thought so it's a it's a oh yeah that makes sense and then there's these oh oh what's going on here moments and and this for me actually was one of them because we saw a drop in client segmentation this year so um so interesting there you know it dropped down to only 59 percent of advisors applying some form of segmentation and that was down from 66 the previous year um, and interestingly, we we started to talk about segmentation with advisors, you know, way back, sort of probably three years ago, um, with the prod regulations, which, whilst they don't mention the segmentation word, are all about thinking about delivering the right products and services to um, groups of clients. So segmentation came to the fore. Um, so it's interesting that that's now taken taken a dip. Um, and, and what has changed also, maybe this is a bit more positive is that there was a significant move away from segmentation by asset size. 
So traditionally, advisors always just, you know, cut cut the advice, the, the clients by by asset size. Did did simple way of doing it, but what we saw is a massive shift towards segmentation by life stage, as opposed to assets. So um, I, th- I think we need to start thinking then about um, that next generation and those sub 50k clients as those that are, you know, accumulating. So let's look at them in terms of life stage rather than just the amounts that they have to invest. Mm, mm, that's really interesting. It certainly sounds like um, kind of an issue of advisors having to um, work out a way to deliver more advice that kind of extends beyond, you know, pro bono work, for example. You know, we know that a lot of advisors, a lot of advisors do that. But if, if it sounds like if there is a whole kind of age group of, of, of clients who can't access advice, then it's sort of a bigger a bigger kind of issue. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one because advisors often will say, you know, the challenge of dealing with that next generation, and I completely get it. It's, um, you know, I, I need to, they're, they're business owners, right? at the end of the day, they want to run profitable businesses. Um, and it, it's therefore, you know, a challenge, it's back to even the, how does regulation and everything give them challenges around that. Um, but, but clearly, we've got to look at, are there opportunities with technology, for example, to deliver kind of lighter touch, low cost propositions um, to that next generation so so it is a challenge for advisors to, to to take time out their businesses actually and develop new propositions to think about how they can deliver cost effective advice to these to you know to these clients so you know you can completely understand the challenges that our advisors are facing here yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and Gillian, another really interesting finding from the survey was that an, an increased number of advisors this year, so I think it was 13% of those surveyed compared with 3% last year, uh, said they were said that succession planning was kind of the key concern for them when they thought about the future of their advice business. Um, now, Schroeder's in the survey flagged a few potential reasons for why this might be a key concern and kind of a rising concern. What do, If you had to kind of pick out one reason and what do you think that would be what would be the key cause for that concern among advisors gosh that's tricky making me pick one Nicola that's that's cheating maybe I'll just cover all three and sit on the fence I mean it's a great <laughs> it's a great area for us because obviously you know we do look at helping advisors with succession planning through our benchmark business where you know we, we make acquisitions so we do deal with advisors and speak to them um, when they're thinking about succession planning and also the various options because obviously acquisition is just one option um, and that's important that you know when we talk to them we, we help think through that I, I think possibly you know if you look last year m activity was huge wasn't it you know it, you almost every day when we read you know all the the, the, the financial press that comes to us online now there's always um somebody buying somebody else yeah and um, and there's been some really interesting multiples being paid to advisors. So so maybe there's this um, you know FOMO going on, you know fear of missing out. At what point does does the the P situation change? Um, and and therefore you know if I don't do it now and lock into the valuations that are being paid, then what does the future look like? I, I think it's also a symptom, also isn't it, of the of the age of the advisor community. You know, we look at the, the, the typical 
college of IFAs. I can't remember exactly what it is these days, but certainly, you know, late 50s, early 60s. And, you know, it's, maybe it's time to just sit, sit back and think about what the future holds. And, you know, some of the advisors that I spoke to last year did, did say that to me. It's maybe time to press the reset button. And, you know, they've seen, interesting, our research also showed that the pandemic um, had we asked about had this influenced clients retiring and you know 43% I think of advisors said yeah we've seen clients taking early retirement and maybe that's made them think about their retirement as well you know what, what's going on here and is there is there more to life than working yeah um, and maybe actually it's it's also a symptom of the other two key challenges which are you know PI rising costs and the rising costs of regulation and uh, um, so I, I think there's a number of factors but but maybe if I had to pick one then maybe it's just this this huge amount of activity and do, do I need to do it now while you know while it's all while the action is happening yeah yeah that's really interesting I can imagine I can imagine on on one end of the spectrum it's kind of a, a new exciting um, opportunity that a lot of advisors see you know to, to merge or to, to be to have their firm be acquired but on the other hand it is this other enormous decision you know when when perhaps many advisors are also facing the decision about when to retire and when to when to think about their succession plans. You're right. I, I, think, um, I think what's also important to them is, is how do they facilitate that exit, particularly certainly the advisors I've spoken to. You know, they're very concerned about um, the impact on their clients because they've managed these people, you know, for many, many years. They almost have, you know, personal friendships and relationships with them. So what is the impact on an acquisition strategy, both to my clients, but also to my staff? Because that's equally important. You know, what is going to happen to my business? And and what many advisors are doing is, you know, they're they're starting to put in place almost a glide path towards retirement. So they want to step back a bit. They still want to um, work with many of their clients um, and and see a smooth exit strategy. So you know, something like a three to five year plan. Um, so so it's interesting in terms of how they're actually doing this, um, but wanting to stay involved because, you know, they they run great businesses. And, and they want to make sure that they do the right thing for you know for their clients and their staff. Yeah, absolutely. Another another big kind of issue to think very carefully about as well. Um, Gillian, you touched on regulation, and I, I wanted to bring that up as well because among the kind of uh, key concerns that advisors could flag uh, in this survey, um, a decreased amount of a decreased amount of advisors flagged uh, that regulation was kind of a key concern for them this year when compared with last year. Um, I wanted to bring that up because I mean. You know, reading that, we, we saw so much regulation come into play last year that, that affected advisors, you know, from consumer duty to FCA, disclosure rules around sustainability. Um, now, that your survey was talking about looking ahead, you know, over the next year, what are the key concerns? But do, do you think maybe less advisors um, are worried about regulation because just other concerns have popped up for them? Or do you think, I mean, why do you think there was that decreased concern? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good one, and I wish I had all the answers because, like you, I, I kind of thought long about that one as well. Um, it, maybe it was just simply a case of relative priorities, and um, because I absolutely yeah. agree, you know, there is loads going on in terms of regulation, um, and there should be a year that, um, particularly with consumer duty, actually, because that that could be be quite significant. I I think, um, and I saw it described somewhere as sort of 
TCA fun, uh, on steroids. Um, and I think maybe what's happening here is people, <laughs> maybe advisors just sitting back, actually waiting to get a bit more clarity on that one before they start to worry about it. Um, because it is... You know, I think I think we are we are actually going to see that later in the year. So so maybe that was a factor. You know, let, let's just sit back and wait and see what that actually going to look like in practice. But I also agree with you in terms of you know things like the um, the disclosure requirements. You know, ESG and sustainability. What's happening here? But but I think um, I do think it's just a case of where's my priority at the moment. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. it's not a it, it's still on their radar absolutely, but maybe yeah. it's just yeah yeah. But there's other things when I look to all the you know the different things that I do want to worry about. Let, let's just put that lower down on the radar this year. Absolutely. And also that interesting. Obviously, you you've seen that the other one that shot down in the radar was finding new clients, and I, I think that was just a symptom of having been locked up for you know the best part of a year and um, finding new clients was a bit of a challenge um, and certainly that, that that we saw a real drop in that as a challenge for advisors so that, that was interesting as well it's always great to debate all of this stuff isn't it um, but yeah I, 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 I do think it's just absolutely. priorities here absolutely and hopefully hopefully advisors who are listening will be going yeah that's exactly exact that's exactly what I'm thinking <laughs> excellent <laughs> Yeah, on that one, Nicola, uh, you know, because it, it was an interesting one for me. And um, and one of the things, um, you know, and it was still, however, high up on the radar, albeit dropped. Um, one of the things I'm keen to do is a little bit more research in that area to ask advisors, because one of my concerns every year, regulation always comes up as one of the key priorities. Um, and I, I just wondered, is, do, do we just go into autopilot on that and always think that regulation is going to be a challenge? And if so, what are the specific challenges? You know, is it MIFID 2 and some of the, are we still having challenges around transparency and charges? And, um, and I, I, you know, what, what's happening and what are advisors' concerns? So I'm keen to do a little bit more of a deep dive into that one this year and just see what, what comes out. So keep you posted on that one. Thank you. Um, now, uh, a final question really about kind of the business operation and some, some findings that came up in the survey um, in that area. Um, another finding was that there was an increase in advisors who were outsourcing their portfolio management. So I think 60% of respondents said that they outsource. Um, and again, Schroeder's kind of raised a variety of reasons. There was, you know, the reason of just improving operational effectiveness or seeking investment expertise in areas like, you know, ESG related investments um do you think that some advisors Gillian, see just see the cost of outsourcing as you know really kind of worth it um when compared with you know additional costs that they might have to burden if they were trying to manage something like portfolio management themselves yes yeah, it's, it's really interesting this one i mean the surveys continually tell us that um advisors are increasing the amount of outsourcing um you know we've always talked about it in the terms of um time cost and risk to the business so does it reduce time in terms of thinking about the research that needs to be done running the investment committees you know um, it just all, all of that piece and obviously for advisors running model portfolios on an advisory basis then it's, it's quite inefficient I and mean, you know we we all know the challenges of that and working with platforms so you know in terms of saving time yeah i think uh, we certainly see that that's a, a kind of tick in the box um, 
also in terms of that that whole cost. So the time and the costs are kind of, I guess, inextricably linked to a certain extent. Um, but also the risk piece um, is an interesting one. And, um, you know, the, the governance processes around that, making sure we get it right. And, and also, how do we make sure we've got the right expertise within the business? So that's about particularly things like uh, sustainability. How do we make sure that we get the research done on that, uh, particularly if they're running sustainable models? Um, so I, I, th I think there's a number of different um, factors at play here. And we also saw, particularly in the expertise piece, advisors saying to us, you know, although, you know, the pandemic really was a bit of a wake-up call here for many of them. Uh, you know, they saw this huge um, drop in the market at the point of you know the first lockdown. And and whilst many, in fact, most investors are are back to where they were before, if not doing better. You know, we all talked about uh, would 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 the return be you know U-shaped, V-shaped, W-shaped, whatever it was. But um, but they said that although advisors are in, clients are, you know, back to where they were pre-pandemic or pre-initial lockdown, advisors found that a really challenging time, explaining to clients what was happening and what was going to happen. And, you know, one of them just talked to me about, you know, managing a client's emotions, holding them, holding their hands, keeping them invested just took loads of time. And they said, you know, talking about what was going to happen in the investment world was really difficult for them and it, it was really uncertain. And therefore, you know, now working with an investment partner, that's that, that's really helped them. So, so I, I do think there's, you know, a number of things going on here, you know, but certainly for us, having launched our shoulder investment solutions last year, that that's great. And we're always happy to work with advisors to talk about what we do and how, how we can help them out. But equally, as Schroders, you know, we still run lots of single strategy funds for those advisors who still do build model portfolios and run them you know, extremely well. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. That's yeah, it's um it's interesting you brought up the kind of the the I suppose turbulence of the past few years and and you know with, with that keep, keeping that in mind that the outsourcing um does seem like it was a very kind of suitable um option and it's yeah, you can understand um why so many advisors did 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 go for that option. Um on the on the topic of investments, Gillian, I did want to touch briefly on some of the investment findings in the survey. Um, I think a, a, a key one was that um, almost half of advisors surveyed have said that they increased their allocation to uh, developed country international equities over the past year, um, and you know, we, we having us having spoken with advisors, and uh, you know, I'm sure you got this impression too. You know, it's it's obviously an area of of um of investing that provides those returns but is kind of a very diverse and and probably the the lowest risk way to do so um well many advisors might think <laughs> don't want to presume for, for all of them um but that trend that increased uh exposure to global equities do you think we'll see that maintained throughout 2022 i mean obviously in the us there's talk of like inflation getting extremely high and, and potential consequences of that um so what are your thoughts yeah um yeah, you, interestingly you've picked up the us as well i mean obviously i i'm alex funk as you know is our chief investment officer that works very closely with me on our short investment solutions business um you know and his thoughts really were you know the, the whole international equities piece was was really based on past performance you know particularly driven by the us obviously the challenge in, in 2022 is is uh, volatility um, you know but given the 
the position with the bond market. We just think equities are, you know, is, um, you know, one of the key places to be. Um, you know, our, our economists are still predicting global economy to grow by about four percent this year. Um, so you know, it, it will be interesting to see what's happening. Obviously, we, we are seeing inflation as well. Um, you know, companies are raising prices, but actually, at the end of the day, consumers are still buying, yeah, and still paying. So uh, it's, it's always difficult to predict, but 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 yeah, we um, you know we will still see a maintenance of that throughout 2022. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. And and what about UK equities, Gillian? I mean, um, in the survey, I think advisors, almost in some ways, there were sort of contradictory responses. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the advisor surveys, yeah, they said they were sort of less hopeful for the growth of the UK market uh, in this December survey. But then at the same time, um, advisors indicated that the majority of them had increased their allocation to UK equities over the past year. Um, so, so where do you think advisors... Um, Again, talking about a majority, a majority of advisors sure. are sitting in UK equities. So UK equities are interesting. Um, you know, clearly they had a good Q4. Um, global markets looked expensive at that point, um, and valuations in the UK were really good for investors. Um, interesting, the UK and Japan. Um, but but we do think that investors probably needed to look more at the FTSE 250. Um, than the 100 for kind of more interesting, exciting investments. And we're not sure if it will remain. Uh, political uncertainty is certainly out there. We've also got the challenges of Brexit, which might actually come to the fore because, um, you know, clearly they were, I would say, overshadowed by the pandemic um, in the early days. And um, so it'll be interesting, therefore, just to see what might happen going forward this year. And clearly, obviously, we've got a backdrop of, um, you know, inflation, rising interest rates. Uh, so interesting times ahead. And you know, I think inflation this morning, if I'm right, reached um, about 5.4%. So, uh, so yeah, um, interesting time in, in the UK. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we'll all be watching UK equities very closely over the next sort of um, few months. Sure. Um, Julian, just to sort of begin to round things off, you mentioned a really interesting trio before of time, cost and risk. Um, I'd be really interested to know if having looked at all the findings from the latest survey, if you think that the past couple of years and the, the macroeconomic environment, the business environment for advice businesses has made advisors more risk averse or not? Yeah, so it's a good one. I mean, obviously, we talked about the challenges of, you know, what happened in the early days of the pandemic and, you know, risk risk in terms of how advisors were just managing, uh, you know, the conversations with clients and, and what that looked like. I, I do think, you, you know, you can think about this question in a number of ways, but for advisors personally, then, yes, risk can be a challenge, particularly when they're thinking about succession plans. You know, they, the business for them is a valuable asset that they want to try and protect so what you know what does that look like um and then it also relates i guess for us as well particularly to back to outsourcing um you know managing investment risk was a challenge for advisors and they saw you know they saw how that played out during the pandemic you know many of them were as they said and i love this word they said they were kind of spooked by it um so how can we make sure that we that we really manage risk and help clients to understand the impact of risk so I'm not sure if they're more if more risk averse is the right is, is the right way to think about this but maybe it's about uh, risk awareness yeah. 
That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Um, okay, so a, a, a big kind of final qu- final question for you, Gillian. So in December this year, which I presume is when um, the 2022 annual survey will be released um, after the mid-year one that you mentioned, if you could guess what trends we might see among uh, respondents who are advisors, what would they be? Yeah, good question. And this is where... Um I get the crystal ball out. Um, it probably sounds a bit dull, actually, Nicola, but probably kind of a bit more of the same. I think, obviously, you know, regulation, as we've talked about, I do think that will come to the fore a bit this year. You know, we've got consumer duty. We've got, you know, the, the whole piece around sustainability, which I'll come on to in a minute. Uh, but it will be interesting to see the impact of of some of the regulation and consumer duty. Obviously, fee pressures we identified in the survey. Advisors were saying that they felt under pressure again in terms of fees. We saw some shifts in fees as well, which was interesting. There's also this question of ongoing charges. You know, the regulator saying that I think it was, was it 90% of clients were in ongoing charging structures, which they felt were inappropriate, or for many of them were inappropriate. Um, so, that will be interesting to see how, do, how does that play out and what might that look like um, and maybe a concern for some advisors. Um, we haven't really talked much about ESG and sustainability, but I think that will be, you know, it will continue to be a major theme. And I think what we need to do is to continue to work with advisors in terms of that whole education piece. So how can we as um you know, as investors in ESG and sustainability, how can we help advisors to have the right kind of conversations with clients? But equally, um, how can we help with better, you know, improving our reporting all the time where, you know, if we, we have sustainable models, for example, in, in my part of the business. How do we make sure that clients can really understand the benefit that their investment is having towards people and planet? So I think that's going to be a key theme going forward as well. Um, and I do think that we will still continue to see this increasing consolidation across the market and, and that's not just advisor businesses but you know you look at some of the platform activity as well that's going on so you know there's there's consolidation almost right across the value chain so I think that will continue to be a, a theme for for 2022. Mm, that's really interesting all the points you just raised there really does seem to be this ongoing kind of um, dichotomy of like protecting the business and, and doing what's best for the business and also you know being obviously being consumer facing and and you know introducing um, new products ESG products um, and just do, doing things that are going to keep um, advisors existing client base you know secure and happy so it's 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 really interesting to hear you kind of sum up all those points together and yeah I'm sure December's survey will be will be very very interesting um, Gillian, thank you so much for, for being here with us today. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you'd like to get in contact, we are on Twitter at New Model Advisor, um, or feel free to email me at nblackburn at citywire.co.uk if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next week. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs>